It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in. Hour number two of the program here on Monday. And uh, coming up in just about six minutes, we're going to be joined by New Bedford City Councilor at Large, Shane Burgo, to talk about the response letter that he has issued today uh, in response to the veto that uh, was um, the letter, the, the the content of the letter, as well as the veto itself uh, of Mayor Mitchell vetoing the rent stabilization ballot question. It's still going to be on the ballot because at least as far as we know at this point, we can ask Councillor Burgo about this when he comes on. But they believe that they had the votes to um, have the supermajority to override the veto. And that's probably still the case. But I'm wondering if, you know, public sentiment about this ballot question has some counselors leery about if they even want to have their name on it uh so that'll be something that we can you know keep an eye on as we go along and the other part of it too is that it's not just about the response to the question and it's not just about the the way that people feel about it. It's the fact that these conversations are even happening. That's that's a big part of, of Councillor Burgo's letter is that just bringing up this question has led to this conversation going forward. So let's just say that the votes aren't there to override the mayor's veto and the question doesn't make it onto the ballot. The conversations have started. And in some cases, as Councillor Burgo was saying, you know, that's a good thing that you now you have the stakeholders in this issue who are going to have this as part of the dialogue, whereas Mayor Mitchell is saying, but the problem is, you know, we've got developers that are calling our office saying, you know, we were looking at building in New Bedford, but now we're a little bit nervous about it because we don't want to be capped on what we can charge for those rents. So it, it's obviously there's a lot of bits and pieces that go into this question. And that's why I think that there wasn't much of a proposal behind the ballot question at the time, but that by, I think by November, by the time you actually would go out and vote on it, if it is on the ballot, there would have to be more more substance to what this plan might be. Granted, you could say, hey, this is just a preliminary outline of what we plan to do if it gets approved. And there's a lot of things that can still come into play with this. But you need to have something there. You need to have something for the people to understand what it is that you are proposing. And also by then, as I mentioned in the first hour, uh, the city's comprehensive housing plan will be released by then. And it'll be released very soon, according to the mayor last week. And so that will factor into some of this as well, because you can look at that and say, well, are there are there things in this that would mitigate some of these these landlords doubling people's rents and, and pricing people out of their homes? Is there some sort of factor in that that will keep that from happening? I don't know that there would be, but again, you have to see the administration's plan and you have to have a, a rough idea of what the council is thinking on this before you go to the ballot, before you go to the uh, to the polling location and answer the question on the ballot. 
So certainly we will take more of your phone calls on this after we speak with Councillor Burgo. And uh, we will take your app chat messages as well. You can always send in those app chat messages anytime. Keep that in mind. It doesn't just have to be while we're on the air. But if you want to send it to a particular host or a particular show, all you have to do is use the little drop down there when it asks who you want to send the message to. And I just want to take a moment here to thank everybody. I was looking over some of the numbers on the app over the weekend, and it's it's incredible the way that the WBSM audience has responded to the WBSM app, utilizing it every day, making it part of their daily listening. Even if you are listening on the radio, still interacting with the app to be able to get our stories and all that other information that you can get from there. So I love the fact that, you know, that, that the app is, is um, so well received by the audience because, you know, the perception is, that there's a lot of older folks that listen to WBSM. There's a lot of retired people. There's a lot of people who, um, you know, might not be the bulk of those who make up the South Coast economy, those who make up uh, who are renting these homes. And, and as we've learned with the app and all the different demographics that we can get from it, that's not true. We have just as big of a listenership of people 25 to 45 as we have people 45 and older. Like the numbers for the younger people are amazing. And to know that we've got folks that are engaged in what's going on in their community, that are engaged in the conversation, that are engaged in using the digital tools that we're giving you to be able to listen and interact with these shows is amazing. And I, I, I saw some of the numbers of the people who subscribe for the app alerts when a new podcast episode comes out. And those numbers blew me away because that's not even, that's not even getting you know, the the podcast sent right to you. I mean, you can click on it and it'll bring you to the episode. But that's that's also shows how many people just want to know when there's an episode up there. They might not listen to it right at that moment, but they know that it's there and they know that it's there for them. So thank you all for the way that you have responded uh, to the WBSM app. And I, I know that it'll only keep growing because we're only going to keep offering cool features on there. And cool things as well. In fact, we're going to have some concert tickets that we're going to be giving away on this show in the coming weeks. And you will want to have the WBSM app downloaded to be able to enter to win for those tickets. Uh, because we are going to have, um, you'll have a you know, little bit of an edge on the other folks trying to enter to win if you have the app downloaded. And uh, there are going to be some very good shows. I would love to tell you what they are, but I can't tell you just yet. But very, very soon... We are going to start offering uh, up some concert tickets for the summer concert series, uh, the summer concert season, rather. And there's going to be some big shows that we are going to have tickets for. And as I said last year when we were doing this, I want to do it as a way to thank you all for listening. And I think, you know, when I listen to the radio, I think about winning things. So I want to be able to give you things to win. And concert season is a great time to be able to uh, to give you some of those. All right. Now we have joining us on the line, uh, Counselor at Large Shane Burgo, who is going to talk with us about this letter that uh, he has uh, sent out today in response to Mayor Mitchell's veto of the rent stabilization question. Good morning, Counselor Burgo. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for joining us for a few moments. And also thank you for, for coming by the uh, Hunger Heroes Food Drop and making a donation on Saturday. Oh, of course. It was my pleasure. And uh, we had we had a great turnout, by the way, for everybody that uh, didn't get a chance to go there. Thank you all for your donations. But let's let's get into this this letter because um, as as we know, the the mayor's response uh, when he vetoed this question 
it was pretty sternly worded and uh, and it's and it seems like just based on the first line of your response letter which again you know now is a time for listening and discussions not for lectures on public policy and governance it feels like you also took exception to the language that was in that letter yes uh, definitely you know I unfortunately I, I feel that uh, one of the main reasons why this ballot question was so important was uh, our voters are used to being lectured to uh, for the last 12 years. And I think it's important that we give them the opportunity uh, to voice their, you know, either their opposition or their approval of such an initiative. You know, the, the suggestion of rent stabilization provides an added mechanism that doesn't currently exist with respect to how housing rents would remain affordable for those in the most financially vulnerable position. It is a suggestion, however, that is currently a conceptual idea that has the potential to be one tool in the toolbox for addressing the housing crisis. And, you know, the, the realtors have the Realtors Association, you know, the landlords have the Landlords Association, but there's no Renters Association. You know, in this moment, this is what I was looking to do, is to give the voters, or in this case, the renters, the option to uh, have their voices heard. And as you said, you know, this has kind of started off that dialogue and had people discussing it. The mayor's counter to that is that he's actually heard from developers who are now gun shy about coming to New Bedford because of the possible rent stabilization. Have you heard from any, you know, developers that might have concern about your proposal? Yes, I, I have uh, heard from at least one developer uh, that was concerned about it and, um, you know, I understand that there are a lot of concerns because of the fact that there's a lot of misinformation out there. You know, uh, specifically in the mayor's veto, he has mentioned, you know, rent stabilization is just, as he put it, a euphemistic term for rent control, which is not true at all. Um, and it, it's very disheartening because I had spoken with the mayor. I explained to him the differences between these two specific policies. Um, and, you know, even in the Realtors Association letter of opposition, um, again, they highlighted talking points about rent control, which I completely agree with. Rent control does, um, you know, hurt uh, development. And in this case, rent stabilization wouldn't do the things that they're saying rent control does. Um, so I, I hear those concerns. But what is upsetting to me is that apparently the concerns of the residents, the people that we've been elected to serve, are going unheard. Because in his letter, he also mentions or speaks as though this is coming out of nowhere and that it just kind of uh, materialized. But this housing crisis and specifically these rising rents have been on the minds of New Bedford residents for years now. So I know that when the ARPA discussions were happening and they were trying to, you know, come up with the best ways to utilizing that, a lot of ARPA money was set aside for housing. And, and I believe that you said on South Coast tonight that you were working with the administration to help, you know, push for the, for that to happen. So were you were having conversations with the mayor and with the administration during the ARPA process about what was going on with people being afraid of losing their homes? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things I talked about even before I was elected was the, the fact that our city currently, I believe it's, uh, you know, I'm trying to reach into my memory bank now, um, I want to say it's 47%. We'll have to look it up again. It's on, it should be on my website. But 47% of our city is considered cost burden. And so for people to understand, to be cost burdened means that you spend more than 30% of your income on housing. And that's not even talking about the 23%, almost a quarter of the city, that is severely cost burdened. So I mentioned this in my letter, as I highlighted, you know, in the press release this morning, rent stabilization will not solve our housing crisis, but it can bring much needed relief to the severely cost burdened families in our community. Um, 
Um, these are conversations that I've been talking about, as I said, before I was elected. And then obviously in uh, the discussions for ARPA, both in committee and then also in uh, meetings with the um, Mitchell administration, I talked about uh, how rent is a burden for a lot of our residents. And of course, the, the solution to that comes to, um, you know, building more housing, which is true. Like I said, this is not going to solve our housing crisis. I've never said that, never will. Uh, again, something I highlight in my press release. But what it, um, what, what the problem is with that solution is it's long term. You know, we, we need we need more housing, and we will be. We have a, a lot of units being built over the next year. Uh, but in the meantime, these families are suffering. And what do we tell to the seventy four seventy four year old woman who uh, calls me to tell me that she's living in her car currently because her rent that was previously uh, seven or eight hundred dollars is now sixteen hundred dollars, and her social security check runs out at fifteen hundred dollars. So I, I know when when we were first proposing this and we talked about it when you were on with Councilor Morad, and this is something that is you know obviously a, a passion of yours, but also there are a lot of other people in the city. This is not just a Shane Burgo uh, you know uh, uh, campaign. This is not just a Shane Burgo topic of conversation. This is something that there are a lot of people who have been fighting this issue and a lot of people who have been on the side of the renters. Uh, but we also have talked about whether or not there needs to be more of including some of the landlords involved in that. Have you been having more conversations? with the landlord since this question was uh, you know proposed for the ballot? Yeah, so Council President uh, Morad actually had reached out uh, to set up a meeting. Uh, unfortunately, uh, more of the uh, upcoming meetings uh, have been booked up with the Landlords Association, but we do have one uh, scheduled on the books to meet with uh, their organization in June, I believe, is the date. Um, so we will be having those conversations with them. And then even, you know, for example, the Realtors Association had sent their letter of opposition in. Um, we'll be meeting with them as well, most likely in committee, um, because, you know, during the passage of this motion, I also had a related motion uh, to have public hearings on this matter. Um, because, you know, what's important about this is it's, it's a non-binding ballot question, uh, and it's really meant to have this conversation in as I've said multiple times, I welcome the criticism. I welcome the opposition because that's the whole point of this, is to hear from both sides and see if we can find a, a middle ground to, to these problems. And, and do you believe that you still have the votes to be able to override that veto? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. You know, if my colleagues that uh, originally voted for this um, stick with me, uh, that's nine votes, which is more than enough uh, to override a veto. But, uh, you know, I will be uh, reaching out to my colleagues uh, to, you know, check in, uh, see where they're at. You know, it's it's one of those things that when a veto like this happens, we, we have been receiving emails uh, from constituents, which is really great. I always encourage our constituents to reach out to us elected officials to let them know how they feel on the matter. So, you know, it's really going to uh, come down to whether or not my colleagues who originally voted with me feel that though uh, it is important to override the mayor's veto, which is a, a very serious, um, you know, decision to make. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing whether or not my colleagues believe that rent stabilization is something that is worth uh, the people voting on. You know, that's what it all comes down to is let the people vote. So, again, this letter that you have written today, it seems like there, you know, you're saying there's a disconnect between the administration and, and, and what the, the people in the city who are paying rent are feeling. And so, and you talked about, you know, being involved in those ARPA discussions for helping with housing. What were those conversations you were having with the administration? Were, were you in, were you, uh, you know, were, there, were they in meetings? Were they one-on-one? -on -one? Were they discuss like, how did you bring up all of these issues uh, to make sure that housing was part of that ARPA focus? 
Well, so I know, for example, that the mayor has been reached out to by the uh, United Interfaith Action, UIA. They held a press conference and also during the opera discussion received multiple letters of information from them um, in, in regard to the specific issue. And, you know, I, I bring up UIA, too, because they hold listening sessions. Uh, small, large, uh, all different sizes, one-on-one listening sessions with people throughout New Bedford, Fall River, the surrounding areas. Um, and the number one issue that they tell me keeps coming up is housing, obviously, but specifically rent control, which, again, that term rent control in the policy that's behind it, I don't support. But the idea of rent stabilization, which is what I believe the residents are really talking about when they bring up that issue, is what we need to pursue. So the mayor knows this. I know his office does. I also know that his office receives calls from our renters all the time about the price gouging that is occurring in our city. So that's why, you know, it's really upsetting to see in his letter that he, he's making it sound as though the people aren't concerned about this. Because as I mentioned, I've talked about it. UIA has spoken with him. He's received that information. I know that the media has written about, um, you know, these these issues with, as I mentioned before, the statistics behind people being cost burdened and severely cost burdened in our city. And you you mentioned that rent stabilization is a tool in the toolbox to help with, with uh, you know, making sure people can stay in their homes and can have affordable homes. But another tool in that toolbox is the Community Preservation Act. And that uh, a good portion of that money goes toward helping with affordable housing. And it just seems strange to me that the, the same council that wants to put on the ballot a question that would help stabilize rents would also put a question on the ballot that might allow for the city to repeal being part of the Community Preservation Act and having money to put into affordable housing that's that's matched by by both the state and private funds yes you know as i've I've mentioned publicly multiple times and will continue to to say is that i am in full support of the community preservation act uh oftentimes when i'm asked about ways that you know other tools that we can use uh in our housing crisis i talk about the cpa funds and not only the cpa but the community development block grant funds that we also get um, and how we can leverage it. You know, the CPA funds, for example, um, I believe it's 30% of it is earmarked for certain categories. And then the larger portion, 70% of it can be spent, you know, you can fill up more of those categories. And in that 70%, we have a little more leg room. I want more of that to go towards housing. Um, You know, for example, like Boston uses 50% of their CPA funds on specifically housing. So I am someone, again, who continuously supports the CPA. I know that for some it might have looked as though because I'm voting to have this ballot question that I'm against the CPA. That is not the case. I am all for the people voting. And my one of my colleagues, you know, Council uh, President Morad, has stated to us that she's receiving a lot of messages and concerns from residents about the CPA. Um, and in this moment, if the CPA... Um, you know, is something that our residents are no longer seeing the value in, which I would hope that they don't, um, give them the opportunity to vote. That's all these ballot questions are. They're non-binding. They hold no actual value other than the fact that they're going to have us hear from the people that we are elected to serve. So I, I, I want to, um, I want to ask you then, have you received any calls or, or emails from anybody asking for a repeal of the CPA? I have not. Okay. And uh, so it seems to me that there's going to be a lot of discussion that still has to happen uh, on this topic. And I I thank you for joining us and and for keeping this conversation going. And I hope that you will consider an open invitation here uh, in the future as we go forward discussing this issue. 
Yes, definitely. And again, I appreciate you uh, getting me on this morning. You know, I, I just want to close up by saying, you know, I, I believe the ballot question gives us the opportunity and really gives the, the citizens an opportunity to engage in discussion, give serious thought to the issue at hand, and to ultimately tell us whether, you know, the citizens believe this is a concept worth exploring and spending the necessary time and energy to develop, um, you know, propose and promote specific policies that reflect this particular idea. All right. Thank you so much, Council at Large, Shane Burgo. And I want to let you have a few moments left of your break before you have to go back to work. So thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Have a good thank day. You. And, you uh, and And again, you'll be able to read his entire article, uh, his entire letter, rather, when we have the article up at WBSM.com and on the app. Uh, but um, thanks to him for joining us and for uh, giving us a little bit more insight into that letter that, again, is in response to Mayor Mitchell's veto of the housing, uh, the rent stabilization ballot question. And uh, just kind of the overall tone of of, of the uh, of the letter as a whole, because really the counselors that I've spoken to, both on the air and off the air, did not like the way that the mayor uh, wrote that letter, the tone that he took with that letter. And uh, no surprise when you read it, you say, well, I wouldn't like to be talked to that way either. So I can't wait to have Mayor Mitchell in on Wednesday and get more into it with him about, you know, why he chose to, you know, as the kids would say, go so hard. So uh, we will uh, we'll talk more with him about that on Wednesday. We'll talk more with you when we come back. Got to take a break, though. When we come back, the phone lines will be open, 508-996-0500. App chat is open on the WBSM app. Look forward to hearing from you. Whatever way works for you, we'll be right back. Welcome back, 508-996-0500. If you want to respond to uh, Counselor at Large Shane Burgo's appearance or any of the discussion that we've been having this morning. Um, also, that song makes me think of, uh, of Poker Face, uh, which is a great show on Peacock if you haven't checked it out yet. And uh, it, it, there's one episode where they actually quote that song. And as soon as I heard the first line, I was like, oh, he's going to be quoting Hook. And I figured it would come up when I saw it was the title of the episode. But anyway. It's a great show, especially if you love Columbo. It's definitely an homage to Columbo. Uh, anyway, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You are on WBSM. Hello. Hi, good morning. Sunny Mind. Yeah, I'd like to say uh, I've been listening, and uh, I'd like to uh, not put a counter opinion in, but offer up some things that uh, I don't think are the tinfoil hat things. One of them is the voter turnout. If it's 30%, this year. Who's going to vote at 30%? Probably people that are landlords, primarily, and others that are invested and vested in the city itself. Well, part of, part of the problem is a lot of the landlords that they're worried about won't be able to vote because they're not city residents. I was just going to say, your absentee landlords are probably your gouges. You should know this, Virgo. You should know this and address it from ground level at that view. I'm surprised that Burger, all these 18 months, he had three meetings for about three hours altogether, uh, doesn't see this from ground level and doesn't have one anecdotal story concerning the gouging and who may be the biggest of the gouges who owns the most 
absentee landlord units. Mm -hmm. This is a half-assed approach. It's eight months down the line with a voter turnout that's not going to give it the information hands down right now that you're looking for to move forward with any seriousness about it. I have never seen such a lackadaisical attitude and word salad crap every time this subject comes up. Well, that's pretty pretty strong uh, language yourself there on, on that smells, issue. Uh, look, you know, what were we living in here? Uh, look, but don't touch. Smell, but don't taste. Kneel, but don't pray. This is the kind of council we got here. Thank you. All right. Thank you for the call. 508-996-0500. If you want to uh, call in and respond to that, uh, HT New Bedford sent an app chat message says, I understand they are probably calling in on one of their primary employment breaks, but to take one or two calls, I don't think it's too much to ask of them. Uh, I will say that uh, Councillor Burgo appears on South Coast tonight and will take your calls when he does so. Uh, this, this time slot here, you're going to have a lot of instances like that where we catch people uh, on their work break, and we're going to get the information from them. And believe me, Marcus and Chris are all over this. I know that they are all over it because uh, I sent them the letter. I sent them the letter so that they would have it, and so they are all over this now, and I'm sure they will have Councillor Burgo come on in a format where he can take your phone calls uh, where he's not on his work break. So it's not that you know we don't give you access to the councillors. It's just that sometimes it happens on a different show. Uh, that's just the nature of the work day. So 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and respond to this. I also uh, was speaking before, too, about the Freetown-Lakeville School Committee race. And, uh, and again, I saw some of the information that was being put out over the course of the weekend. See, it's hard because uh, there's a lot of stuff that's being put out for Kayla Churchill that isn't coming out from Kayla Churchill, which I think is a, a very questionable approach to being a candidate. Uh, every time that somebody has asked about her platform and, and, and what it is that she is looking for, because her website is nothing. Her website is just a, a, a campaign photo uh, with no clickable links or anything. And so there's no platform listed there. There's no information there. And when people have been asking about what it is that she stands for, because she's put out some things on her official campaign page, but it's, you know, like, Oh, read this. Interesting. Oh, read this and sign this. Oh, do this, do that. None of it has said like how she would implement those kind of things in the Freetown Lakeville school system if she was elected or if she even wants to implement those things. So there's not, there's not any, no discussion about any of that. No discussion about, uh, if she plans on putting her kids back in the public schools if she is elected because right now they are in private schools. She pulled them from the public schools. So there's a lot of questions that people have and the, 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 the response that her mom, who I, I, I guess is her unofficial campaign spokesperson keeps giving, and this other person who calls, who um, uh, posts stuff about, you know, in favor of her, is that, oh, she'll answer all those things at the candidates' night on Wednesday. Okay, but you do realize that the entire candidates' night is not just going to be about one candidate, right? People want to know what these platform issues are so that they can ask the questions when they get to the candidates' night, so that, so that they will know what it is to, to, to focus those questions in, in that discussion on. And by the way, that includes whoever's running the candidates night and is moderating it. So I, I just don't get it. It's, it's, that's why I keep saying it's, it's not a serious campaign. You can't take the campaign seriously. 
it's it's being operated by I guess a GoFundMe and a Facebook page and and uh, and her mom is her unofficial spokesperson. So I don't know that that's a, a real campaign. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. You're next on WBSM. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, this is Brad Hathaway. Hello. I'm a city editor of the Standard Times, listening to BSM for a long, long time. And what I've been hearing over the last four or five weeks is, uh, you know this fellow, I don't know who this fellow is that just talked. The previous he, caller? Yeah. He talks like me. So I'm going to tell you something. I need to contact somebody in New Bedford Light. The fellow who's coming on in a, what, a half hour or so? Yep, Jack Spillane will be here, yep. Yeah, and I've got to talk to him and I must do it, not on the air. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You stick with me for one second here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take your phone number here off the caller ID, and I'm going to pass that on to Jack Spillane. I think he has it, but anyway, 508. Well, you don't have, to give, you don't have to give it out over the air. I can I can read it here off the screen. If you don't want everybody else calling you. No, I don't want anybody else to know. Okay, so it ends with 7-9, right? 508. Yes, it okay. does. Then I get it off yes, the caller ID, and I will share that with him. Yeah, and can I tell you one other thing? Absolutely. That last Friday, an hour before the deadline, I pulled my papers for select men in this town. I asked them if I was qualified. They asked me if I was over 18. And I told them, I think so. <laughs> and they said, well, how old are you? Oh, I said, I'm 90. And uh, in a week, I'll be 91. And they said, do you think you can handle a job? And I said, I know people who are 100 years old who could handle a job. Anyway. Well, I wish I, you, I wish you I, luck and in the I don't, I don't need any support. Huh? to win this race. Anyway, right. I'm looking forward to Jack's call. All right, and, uh, and, and good luck with the race, and uh, we look forward to uh, talking more with you. Oh, and you don't know what's going to happen. So long. All right, take it easy. I don't know, yep. if, I don't know if, that's, uh, if that's ominous or if that's uh, positive, but uh, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, so thank you to, to Mr. Hathaway for calling in. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back on the other side, more of your calls, 508-996-0500. We will have Jack Blaine coming up in the 11 o'clock hour as we will be turning on the light and taking a look at all the things going on in New Bedford, including what's been going on with the city council. We'll be back in a few moments. And more of your phone calls at 508-996-0500. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I, I, good. How are you? All right. I got a sandwich for you. You're not going to, you're probably going to say it sounds nasty. But anyway, my, um, my sister-in-law was making lunch the other day for the kids and, um, somebody from work told us she should make this for her little boy. So it's a grilled cheese sandwich, put mozzarella cheese in the middle. And on the outside, you put a, a little, little tiny bit of butter spray and then ketchup and oregano. Well, and you grill it, and it tastes just like pizza. Yeah, that sounds really good to me, actually. And we, they, they loved it. We uh, so so Matt Costa, who does Spooky South, we used to do Spooky South Coast with me. The two of us worked in a restaurant together for years, and we had a sandwich that we would make called the pizza sandwich, where 
on the steam table we had American chop suey sauce for anybody that ordered that. You would just heat mm-hmm. up the you know you heat up the the noodles in some boiling water, bring the bowl over to the steam table, mix up the sauce, put it on the plate, and serve it. And so we always had that sauce on the steam table. Well, we would make grilled cheeses, and we would take we would use the mozzarella or provolone cheese in the middle, yeah. and we would take yeah. that chop suey sauce and we put it in the middle of the sandwich and we were like a almost like a sloppy joe grilled cheese type thing but we called it a pizza sandwich and yeah so we do it with hot dogs too I, we do it with the hot dogs too, you, the, you the, put the you put chopped suey sauce on it no we put oh. uh pepperoni and uh pizza sauce and the cheese my brother does that for the kids they like different things like oh, that yeah but they, uh yeah they they loved it my brother jim i didn't think he's very picky he said oh this is money this so, is money, so she had to make him another one. <laughs> you still you still put spray on the bread, even even though you're putting ketchup on well, it. I think she did, just so it wouldn't stick to the um, pan when she yeah. grilled it. But I don't think you have to. I'd probably but, spray um, the pan and then put the ketchup down on. on oh, the maybe bed. she did that. Yeah. She might have done that. I wasn't watching her, but it, and she made me when I said oh, I couldn't believe it. I was like I was kind of hesitant. But if I liked cream cheese and strawberry jelly when I was a kid, my mother used to pack us for lunch. That was delicious on a sandwich. That was the when I was in. Um, fifth grade and I went to the Nathaniel Morton School in Plymouth which was like this big old Federalist style building and the ba- the basement was the was the cafeteria we'd have to go down there to, to eat lunch every day and mm-hmm. they had if you didn't like the hot lunch they had the same cold sandwich every day they could get it was cream cheese on raisin bread yeah, and that's every, good too. Every once in a while, I would get that, and it was it was really good. But I'm thinking about like you could never just feed a kid a sandwich with an inch of cr- you know cream cheese stuffed into it anymore. That's not exactly healthy. No, I know it's not. But I mean, my mother, we didn't have um, we brought our lunch boxes, so they wouldn't go bad. You know, mayonnaise or anything like that on there. But I'm you know I'm talking years ago. But I mean, it was good, and cream cheese and olives another great one. We used to sell tons of that in staff store in the yeah. restaurant. I mean, I, I, there's pretty much very few sandwiches I won't try. So I'm definitely yeah. going to make one of those pizza sandwiches. Yeah, I'll try that. Yeah. All right. You Take have care. a good day. Yeah, and, you too. Bob. Yep. And uh, that's the great thing about this show. You never know when Sandwich Talk is going to pop up, but it does. And, uh, and, and I'm always happy to do it. By the way, I had some amazing prime rib the other night. I, I was going to Rhode Island to meet up with a friend. Every time she comes to investigate the Conjuring House, we go to the same restaurant. And we have, uh, you know, she she's from New York, so she doesn't get a lot of the same kind of seafood that we have. So she almost always gets something seafood related. And um, I had bought dinner last time, so she was going to buy dinner this time. And the reason why I bought dinner last time is because I was late and I made her wait, <laughs> so I felt bad. But she's like, oh, I've got this time. And I was like, well, I really want the prime rib this time. So, And I'm going to get the, the, the table cut, the big cut. So, you know, I, I want to have, uh, you know, I'll, I'll chip in something. And I, so I got the prime rib. Not only was it amazing, but I had so much of it that I brought it home and got an entire second meal out of it. It, it was just incredible. And so uh, I was I was in heaven, and I was like, I'm going to slice some of this off and make a prime rib sandwich with it, because there's nothing better than you know prime rib even between two pieces of bread. It's still it's still phenomenal. But uh, yeah, that pretty much that pretty much did me in for the weekend. I, I don't I don't even think I ate that much yesterday. I had an omelet for breakfast, and then I had a little bit of mac and cheese for dinner. But yeah, that was. That was the highlight of my weekend for sure. That and, of course, you know, all the great donations that we got for the United Way's Hunger Heroes Food Drive. 
Thank you to everybody who came and dropped off some food and the folks who went into Aldi and, and, and made a purchase and dropped it off there. Uh, we look forward to returning to the Hunger Heroes food drop in probably around November uh, as we get ready for the fall version. And we are hoping that... Um, you know, in the future, we can keep having it at Aldi because it was such an easy thing to do to just have people pull right up, drop it off, but be able to go into the store if they needed to. We had people coming over with bags, walking right out of the store. Plenty of room to set everything up. And uh, and so many of you donating. Thank you so much for, for coming by and stopping by and to everybody that helped out as well. Going to take our next break and we'll be back in just a few moments. <clears throat> Welcome back in. Of course, Want to Go for a Ride is the uh, the signature statement of one of my radio radio idols and mentors, uh, the great Art Bell. So very fortunate that I got the chance to be, I, I guess we'll say the last host of the last show that he created because after uh, after somebody else took it over, it, it wasn't the same show. So, and uh, And I still have some of Art Bell's own personal radio equipment. Which I, I I still think is, is pretty awesome. I have is uh, I have the equipment that they sent me to do that program, and they haven't taken it back yet. So I'm I'm gonna save it for my Art Bell Museum. <laughs> anyway, coming up in the eleven o'clock hour, we're going to be joined by Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light as we turn on the light. We're going to be talking about a number of things, including we'll talk about Councillor Burgo's reaction to the uh, to the veto from Mayor Mitchell on the rent stabilization ballot question. We'll talk about. City Council President Linda Morad's reaction to the tone and tenor of that letter uh, that she shared with us on Friday. And, of course, we'll talk about Jack's column that he has at NewBedfordLight.org uh, in which he spoke to a Greater New Bedford Votech freshman who wouldn't have been there if not for a lottery. The lottery that they were tr- testing out got this student into the school but had it not been for that, his grades and his absences and all that would have kept him from being a student there. And as it turns out, he's had a complete turnaround being in that environment, which is kind of what the vocational education was designed for in the first place. So Jack's going to talk to us about that and a whole bunch of other things as well. And we'll take your phone calls with him at 508 996 Answered seven in a cushion. It sends in an app chat message. Tim, ever try a peanut butter and jelly hamburger? Apparently it's good. My brother and nephew tried it in Bar Harbor, Maine at a restaurant and were surprised to see it tasted good. I haven't tried that yet, but maybe I will. Maybe I'll make that tonight. Um, I have peanut butter. I have jelly. I'll just have to stop and get some hamburger. Um, but it sounds, sounds pretty good. I have had, um, uh, what did this make me think of? Uh, I'm blanking on it now. Ah, I can't think of it. Oh, oh, a breakfast sandwich that um, uh, one of the cooks at the diner taught me to make. Raisin toast 
with a fried egg, American cheese, a sausage patty, and grape jelly. When I first started, I was like, that seems like a very odd sandwich. But then I tried it. It was delicious. So, again, raisin bread friend, uh, raisin bread toast. Take the raisin bread, toast it in the toaster. Uh, slather just a little bit of grape jelly on both sides of the bread. You don't want to put too much. Uh, a fried egg over hard with American cheese and a sausage patty. That is a heck of a sandwich. So give it a try if uh, if you if you are so inclined. There's pretty much anything that you can come up with for a breakfast sandwich, some incarnation of it. I have tried it over the years. Uh, it's just the, the nature of cooking breakfast every single day for 22 years and getting tired of having the same things. In fact, I, I very rarely eat breakfast during the week now because I spend so much time eating it and so much time making it over the years that now it's just something I only really do on the weekends. 